Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pal. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi and welcome. I'm so glad that you've invited us into your home today. And you must know that Jan and I love you and we're praying for God's best for you. And I can't wait until we open up again and you can be part of one of our live services. That is, if you stay in our region or or even just passing through. And I cannot believe that a couple of weeks away from our 25th birthday celebration and our Heart for the House miracle offering. So I'm pumped up for that. I trust you are as well. And I trust that you are ready for today's word. And so if you are, then say it like you mean it. My heart's open. My mind's ready, and I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. May God bless you. I don't know about you, but I love sport, and so the Olympic Games was a treat. I really loved I loved all the different events that you could watch on the various channels that were, that, that were being uh, shown to us. But this year, I noticed something different. As I was following some of the athletes, I noticed that those that didn't win a gold medal were criticized and often attacked. It would seem that these days getting a silver or a bronze medal causes one to be ridiculed by the armchair critics. I mean, Britain's Piers Morgan, who has 6 million followers, vehemently criticized anyone not winning a gold and calling them nothing but losers, and then attacked anybody disagreeing with him. And sadly, I think that indicates the spirit of this age and is a sign of the times that we are living in. And so today, I want to talk about that, about not having what I believe is the spirit of this age, a critical spirit. If I've learned anything in the ministry, it's that too many people go through life focusing on the wrong things rather than the right things. They've developed a habit of seeing the negative. They, they could walk into a beautiful house that's brand new, but instead of seeing the thousand of things that are right, they will point out that one small little smudge on the wall. You know, they are drawn to the negative. They don't see the beautiful rose. They only see the thorns. And the tragedy is negativity is contagious. And I often see it run in family lines. And so you've got to know this, that no matter how much good there is, you can always, did you hear me? You can always find something bad if you look for it. Some fault, some mistake, some weakness that we don't understand. And we can either develop an eye for the good or we can develop a critical eye. I recently did a series on relationships. And what I am saying today is also especially important in relationships. You can train yourself to see people's strengths and and you, you, you can look for the strength or you can train yourself to see their weakness. You can focus on what you like about your spouse, or you can magnify the negative. You can decide, magnify the good qualities, or you can focus on what you don't like and magnify the things that annoy you. It applies to friendships, to to your colleagues, to the workplace, you know, your church environment, whatever. And that is why some relationships are in such trouble. People have developed this habit of being negative. Now they can't see anything good anymore. I heard about a man whose wife was making him breakfast and he asked for two eggs, one scrambled and one fried. She made them and put them on a plate for him. When he saw them, he shook his head irritably and looked down and said, oh, she said, what did I do wrong now? 
That's exactly what you asked for. And then he said, I should have known it. You fried the wrong egg. Some people have become so critically minded that no matter what you do, it's not going to be right. They never see the good in their spouse. Nothing that they do is good. They've forgotten the reason why they fell in love and got married. They hate going to work early in the morning. They get irritated in church easily, all because they are magnifying the wrong things. If you struggle in this area, I want to encourage you to make a list of the qualities that you like about your spouse, about your boss, your church, your friends. Write a list of the things that you still like. Your husband may not be a good communicator, but he's a hard worker. Put that down on your list. She may have some weaknesses, but she's a great mother. She's smart. She's intelligent. Write that down and every day go over the list. Start focusing on their good qualities. If you're negative towards your spouse and you're operating out of a critical spirit, it's going to spoil your entire outlook. You won't communicate properly. You won't, you know, want to do things together as a couple. It will affect you in every single area of your life. You have to make a switch and start appreciating that person's strengths and learn to downplay their weaknesses. Every single one of us, every single one of us has faults, things that can get on people's nerves. The question is, what are you magnifying? When we let this critical spirit rise up, we start magnifying the wrong things. That's when we start complaining that the wrong egg got fried. When we are critical, it's like putting on a pair of tinted glasses and everything gets tainted by that. When we're critical, when we begin to be negative, we exaggerate and make a big deal out of things that are not actually a big deal. You never take out the trash, you know, you never spend time with me, you know, you're always late. But I've learned that people respond more to praise than they do to criticism. Anybody can criticize. It doesn't take any brains to do that. The next time you want your husband to take out the trash, instead of nagging him by saying, you're so lazy, I've got to take out the trash, you know, and it's so heavy and it's such a burden on me and you don't care. No, just say, hey, did I ever tell you that when you pick up the trash and walk with it, your, your biceps bulge and, and you look really good. Man, when I see you with those muscles in your arms, whew, my darling, you're so attractive to me. You praise him like that and he'll take the trash out every single day. Why? People respond to praise more than they do to criticism. When we are constantly criticizing, we have to realize the problem is not with the spouse or the boss or the church or the leadership or the friendship circle, not even with our circumstances. The problem is with us. I heard about a couple that moved into a neighborhood and one morning while eating breakfast, the wife looked out the window and saw her neighbor's washing was hanging on the line. And then she noticed as she looked at this washing that it was so dirty and dingy. She told her husband, man, that neighbor doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know how to wash their clothes. You know, her clothes aren't clean. I wonder if she even uses detergent. Every morning when she looked out and saw the woman hanging up her washing, she made the same comments to her husband over and over. I can't believe that, that that family allows her to wash like that. And she's allowing her family to wear all those dirty clothes. A couple of weeks later, she looked out the window and the clothes were bright and clean. Man, they were as beautiful as could be. She was so surprised that she called her husband and she said to him, come here, come here. Look, she said, 
Finally, she's learned how to wash the clothes. I wonder what happened. The husband looked at her and said, Darling, I got up early this morning and I cleaned our windows. The problem was not that the neighbor had dirty clothes. The problem was the window she was looking through was not clean. She was seeing everything through a tainted filter. It's the same in our lives. How dirty our neighbor's laundry is depends greatly on how clean our own window is. This is how the Bible says it in Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. You can't ever see anything right. You drive down the freeway and only see the traffic, the construction, the, the potholes. You never see the beauty. You only see the smudge on the wall of that amazing, beautiful house. You never see what people do right, only what you don't like about them. And my encouragement to you is clean your window. Did you hear me? Clean your window. The problem is not with somebody else. It's an internal issue. It's like a man who, who was on his way to work and had an accident and he got out of his car and he screamed at the other driver. Hey, you need to learn how to drive. You're the fourth person to hit me today. At some point, we need to look inside and say, maybe I'm the one that needs to change. If I'm critical all the time, maybe I've developed the habit of seeing the bad rather than the good. If I'm constantly skeptical, holding on to the past, thinking about mistakes, then maybe I've trained myself to be cynical, unforgiving, critical, or even sarcastic, rather than just believing the best. If I'm constantly finding fault, perhaps my own filter is dirty. Maybe I've become judgmental and condemning, rather than giving people the benefit of the doubt. And this is something you must know. A critical spirit will follow you. It will follow you everywhere you go. You can't get away from it. You can't leave one relationship, you know, uh, or job or church, you know, get angry, bitter, upset. They didn't treat me right. If you don't deal with the root issue, I'm telling you now, you will have the same problem at the next place that you go to. Oh, everybody's against me. They hurt my feelings. Nobody can do anything right. My partner is so unresponsive. My boss doesn't know what he's doing. And, and, and you know, my church, my church doesn't love me. Some people can complain about anything. They'll come to me and, and complain about something that I've never even thought about. I never knew I had it so bad until they told me. I spoke to a guy a while back who had just left Yet another job. He was angry, believing that the people there didn't treat him right. The sad thing is, it was about the 30th job that he had left. And an even sadder thing is that he will continue doing that the rest of his life. Continue acting like that until he learns to clean his window. He's looking out of a window that has been tainted through a filter, you know, that's gone through years of judgment and, and years of criticism. It's so important that we deal with these issues. You know, we've got to learn to break a critical fault-finding spirit that's continually taking offense so that we don't pass it down to our children and our children's children. I don't believe in generational curses. I don't. But I do believe in generational choices 
And the sad thing is that when you meet someone with a critical spirit, that same spirit is often passed on to the next generation. I was talking to somebody recently who was critical, and it didn't surprise me because her parents are exactly the same way, critical towards everything, quick to take an offense. The mother was always complaining about how bad her husband's employer was. A critical spirit will taint everything in our lives. And so, as I talk about the spirit, what is the solution? Well, number one, I think it is recognize your window is dirty. Recognize it's dirty. Stop dishing those around you and start looking inward. And number two, just as you've developed a habit of seeing the worst, train yourself to see the good. Don't go to work every day focused on what you don't like about your employer. Focus on something that's right. Be grateful that you still have a job during this pandemic season. Be grateful that, that you're not, you know, unemployed. Don't drive to and from work, just seeing the traffic, the, the potholes, the, the construction, the congestion. No, but just pause and look out at the beauty of God's creation. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful place that we live in. Look at the mountains here in Paul. Look at the trees. Look up at the sky and breathe in the goodness of God. And when that critical spirit comes, and it comes to every single one of us. You have to deal with it. And you have to deal with it one thought at a time. When you look at a situation, take out your critical eye and put in God's eyes. And when you do, you will have a different perspective. So much damage has been done by religious critical Christians judging people on how they looked and how they dressed, how, how, how they, they, they put their clothes on to come to church. You know, before lockdown, I invited a lady who was serving me in a store to come to her church. And she looked at me in horror and she said, oh, no, no, I could never come to church because I'm full of these tattoos. She had been judged before by her outside appearance. Listen to me. When a religious spirit tries to rise up, you know, that spirit that comes up, why are they dressed like that? You know, what's their problem? See it through God's eyes. What better place for them to be than in church? And I'm trusting to see that that young lady will be in our church one day when we open up again. Don't judge people by the outside. When you're tempted to be critical and find fault, remember the enemy, Satan, is called in Revelations 12.10, the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before God day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. You need to recognize where the source is coming from. I sometimes wonder why Satan is before God accusing the brethren when so many Christians are doing it in their fault-finding spirit that they've got. Listen, Satan is the one wanting you to be critical. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go over to that side. I'm going to stay on God's side. I'm going to believe for the best. There may be a thousand things that I can see that are wrong, but I'm going to keep looking until I find at least one that is right. Why? Because I've been forgiven so much. So I'm going to love much. In Luke 7, 47, there was a woman, the Bible says about her, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. And if I slip up, I'm not going to do that on the side of judgment. I'm going to do it on the side of mercy because where would any of us be without the mercy of God? If I had encountered God at an early age, I mean, if I hadn't found a good church, who knows where I would be today? I've been told that sometimes I'm naive, trusting certain people, and maybe I am. 
but I don't want to be just a fault finder. I want to keep my window lean handy. I want to keep my windows clean. And the spirit of today is to be quick to judge, quick to find fault, quick to be critical, quick to pick up an offense. And if somebody is not just like them, if they're just a little bit different, instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, they look them up and down and start to pick them apart, nudge their friends and, and point at the issue that they have seen. You know, well, if I was them, I would never, ever dress like them. If I was them, you know, then I would never drive that car. If I was them, I would definitely not go on holiday in this economy. If I was them, I wouldn't run the church that way. If I was them, I would not say that. But here's the key. You are not them. You don't really know what you would do because you haven't walked in their shoes. I had a man come up to me in Woolworths to tell me he was very upset that his pastor hadn't opened his church up and allowed the 50 people in. I know his church and it's quite large. And you would have to, like us, you know, run services for the entire day to accommodate all the people, not to mention the people that would have to serve at least 10 to 12 services during that day. He went on and on complaining to me, telling me how wrong he thought it was. The pastor's just taking a holiday. But I'm thinking to myself, the reason your pastor hasn't opened up the church is because he doesn't want to meet people like you. And at no time was that man offering to serve in any of the meetings. It was all I, I, I. It's the spirit of this age. How somebody spends their money, where they go on vacation, how they raise their children, what kind of car they drive, what songs they sing in church. I've learned that is none of my business. I don't know about you, but I have a hard enough time trying to run my own life without trying to run somebody else's. And one of the best ways we can keep the window clean is to learn to mind our own business. If the church runs 20 services over a weekend or only stays online, it's none of my business. If they drive around town in a Ferrari or come to church in a donkey, it's none of my business. Don't be nosy. Nosy people are critical people. They want to know all the details, you know, all the latest Skinner. Not so that they can pray for a person, not because they are genuinely interested, but because they know that they'll hear something nice and juicy that will feed their flesh. And they can run and tell their friends at the next bride, did you know? Have you heard what, the, what they, they said? You know, have you heard what I've heard? Do you know what they did? Do you know what they've said? Did you hear the latest? No. Your attitude should be, I didn't hear and I don't want to hear. I don't want to be poisoned. My ears are not garbage cans to be filled with a bunch of trash. When somebody is trying to tell you something bad about somebody else, don't just sit there and be passive. Oh, Mark, I, I couldn't help it. They were just trying to tell me something. Sure, you can help it. You can say, you know what, I've just remembered, I've got an important appointment that I must go to, and I'm sorry, but I have to excuse myself. If you can't leave, then say, hey, instead of talking about this person, why don't we just pray for them? Stay on the offensive. Come on. Don't let people poison you. If your friends are critical fault finders, if they're gossipers or backbiters, if they're always carrying an offense, you need to find some new friends because it will rub off on you. 
You shouldn't go to lunch every day at work with people who keep bad-mouthing the company, criticizing the boss, gossiping and complaining. And you might say, but Mark, if I don't go to lunch with them, then I'll be lonely in the office. Well, I'd rather be lonely than poisoned. I would rather be lonely than allow people that are not going anywhere in life to keep me from my God-given destiny. But Mark, if I don't hang with them, they might start talking about me. Let me tell you a secret. Are you listening? Most likely they are already talking about you. If they will talk about others in front of you, then believe me, when you're not there, they will be talking about you. And if you verbally disagree with them, then get ready to duck. You know, some of you need to start making a stand. If you continue to allow people to poison you so that you become critical and judgmental, you will not walk in God's fullness. I know so many gifted people with so much potential, but for years, all the years that I've known them, all they've done is flounder around. They've never walked in the fullness of what God has in store for them. I've never seen the prosperity of God upon them. And it's because they have a critical spirit. When people are stirring things up, you know, and, and they come to you and they drop their voice to a whisper to draw you in, you know, talking about the leadership, talking about certain families, talking about your friends. Don't just sit there and be a part of it. You know, that can keep you, I believe, from God's given destiny for you. God will not promote a critical spirit, a gossip, a fault finder, somebody that is sowing discord amongst the brethren. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 is very, very clear. It says that there are seven things that God finds detestable. He says it's an abomination. Those are hard words. And one is someone who stirs up, sows discord among the brethren. It's easy to sow discord, to say things behind people's backs or to write a scathing sentence on, on social media. You may not agree with everything that somebody says. You know, you don't have to. You, you, you don't have to understand, but you know what? Because you don't understand something doesn't mean you have to be a gossip. Don't go around stirring up trouble. If you're not behind the company that you work for, you need to go and find another job. But as long as you are taking their paycheck, you should not be critical and condemning. You should support the people around you in that organization. Many years ago, a man who was part of our church in the worship team came to me with a long list of everything that was wrong in the church. He then told me that he was leaving because he was a prophet of God. And the doors of our church, God had told him, would be closed within a year. I knew that he was a fault finder. That's all he was. So I told him not that the door slam him or hit him on the way out. We just continued doing our best, doing what God had called us to do. About 10 years later, he phoned me to say he had been wrong about the church closing. But could he just tell me some things that are wrong with the church worldwide? Man, nothing had changed. He was still nothing more than just a fault finder with a fault finding spirit. Now, what I do know about this man is that his life did not prosper. Actually, his life story is a very, very sad story. Now, I'm not saying that God goes around condemning people, not at all. But I am saying that when we are judgmental and critical, we step out of God's protection. We step 
out of the blessing and his favor that he's got for us. You have to realize when we are critical, we are not hurting the other person. We are hurting ourselves. It may take a while, but I'm telling you now, you will reap what you sow. There was a time in the Bible when Moses was criticized because of his wife. You know, she had come from um, another nationality. And a lady went around gossiping, stirring up trouble because of, you know, because of the fact that she wasn't from their tribe. But all the while, Moses was as happy as could be. And he rose above it and he didn't let it get into his spirit or bother him. But in the end, that lady that had the critical spirit came down with leprosy. Her skin became full of disease. There are too many people looking for faults, smiling at others, yet pointing a finger behind their back. And God sees it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that. I may not understand them. I may not agree with them. I may not like some of the things that they say. I may choose not to associate with them, but I'm not going to go around spending my life bad-mouthing them, trying to ruin their reputation. I need God's protection over my life, over our ministry. I want to stay under the covering of God. The Bible says in the message Bible, very clear in Matthew 7, one reading, it says this, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging back on you. This is saying that when you are critical and judgmental, we are sowing seeds for people to be critical and judgmental back to us. As I go through social media, and I'm often on social media, one of the things that has struck me is how people have created an identity for themselves by doing nothing more than criticizing other ministries. They built organizations, their Christian identity, whole ministries on criticizing, on judgment, on fault finding, on taking an offense. They never see the good that that person is doing. They never see the changed lives. They overlook all the fruit to find just one thing that they don't agree with. One statement out of 25 years of ministry, and they will blow it out of proportion. They will try and make a big deal about it. They will accuse them. They will attack them. But what they don't realize is that nobody is perfect. Did you hear me? Nobody is perfect. I know for a fact, I don't know everything about everything 100% of the time, especially when it comes to doctrinal issues. But I do know this, that before God, my heart is right, and I'm doing the best that I can for what I believe God wants me to do. Do you know what Jesus said to people that were critical and judgmental? People that had a fault-finding spirit? He said this in Matthew 7, 5, paraphrased. You're a hypocrite. Get the telephone pole out of your eye before you try and get the toothpick out of your brother's eye. In other words, clean your window. Look inside. Deal with your own issues and spend your time trying to improve your own life. And you will have a whole less time, I believe, to be critical and judgmental. Instead of going around fault-finding, spreading poison, let's use our mouth, let's use our text, our fingers, our thumbs to bring hope, to spread kindness, and to increase joy in this world that we are in. We are all going to come to the end of our days, every single one of us, and we are all going to stand before God. And when he looks down at me and says, Mark, what did you do with the time that I entrusted you with? How did you use the gifts that I gave you? 
I don't want to be in a place where I have to say, well, God, I spent my life criticizing other ministries, knocking leadership down and, and trying to make them look bad, stirring things up amongst the brethren. You know, I have a hard time believing that God's going to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you did just what I asked you to do. You stirred them all up. You brought division. You murmured amongst the brethren. No. I've noticed that people that complain and find fault easily in the body of Christ will eventually get to a place where they find fault and take offense with God himself. God didn't do what they wanted, when they wanted it, how they wanted it. And so they sulk, become resentful towards God. They won't admit it. Instead, they just up their criticism of the body of Christ. There will be times when you will have to pass the test of not being critical towards somebody that has been critical of you. Maybe at the office, somebody's trying to make you look bad. You know, talking behind your back while smiling at your face. You know, um, taking things out of context, turning molehills into mountains. And it's very tempting to be critical back, to think, you know what? Took and played this game. And let me tell you about them. What I know about them. What I know and what I've been told takes place behind closed doors in their house. Don't sink down to their level. Don't let their poison cloud your windows. Learn to bless your enemies. Listen to me. The higher you go, the more haters will come out. Everything may be, you know, fine with your co-workers as long as you're at the same level. But the moment you get promoted and they see your life is being blessed, you get married, move into the nice new house, get a healthy family, a beautiful spouse. Don't be surprised if they start talking or spreading rumors, trying to make you look bad. Unfortunately, not all of your friends will celebrate your victories. Not all your co-workers will be happy when you are blessed and when you get promoted. Some will be jealous. Some will be intimidated thinking that your success is making them look bad, that they could easily do what you do. So they will try and take you down. I don't know why he got promoted. He's not even that talented. I know more than him. Why did he marry that girl? You know, she's not even that attractive. It will be tempting to try and set the record straight, to be critical back to them. But don't let the enemy pull you into that trap. The reason he's trying to, to, to do that is he wants to use those people to try and trap you and poison your life. Don't retaliate. Let God fight your battles for you. If you stay on the high road, God will take what they meant for harm and he will use it. I believe with all my heart, he will use it to your advantage. They mean it as a stumbling block. They do. They, they mean it to, to try and stop you, but God will use it as a stepping stone to push you further and higher. There are times I believe I need to actually thank my enemies because if it has not been for them, I would not be where I am today. They meant it to bring me down, but God used it to push me up higher. So I'm asking you, make a decision today to not have a critical spirit and to be drawn down into the spirit of this world and of this age that criticizes and cancels people if they disagree with them. But if you're in that place, then train yourself to see the best. You can see the good in every situation if you will just look for it. Make a list of the qualities that you like in your spouse, in your children, your job, your church, your friends. Learn to make a list of those things, the good things. 
You know, even this message, if you have a critical spirit, the chances are that you could easily become angry and retaliate with, with a fault-finding spirit. But I'm asking, decide. No, more than that. Determine to clean your windows. In fact, I believe as I'm talking, windows are being cleaned. Some of you are wiping away judgment, criticism, fault-finding, things that have held you back for years. And today... This is a new day. We need to be a people that have clean windows, believing the best, seeing the best, speaking the best, minding our own business, not, you know, leaning our ears towards gossip. When we do that, God promises he will fight our battles for us. He will make our wrongs right. He will come before us and lift us higher. Every dream, every promise he has placed within your heart, you will see come to fulfillment. And so I'm saying to you, be the person, as I say at the end of every message, that shares hope, shows kindness, and shines Jesus. But you'll never be able to do that with a poisonous, critical, fault-finding, pick-up offense spirit of this age. Let's be the light. Let's shine in the darkness. Let's be a people that have a different spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I don't want to close this message without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if that's you, just pray this simple prayer with me right now. And just say after me, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I know that was a simple prayer, but if you prayed it, we believe that you've just been what the Bible says, born again. God's given you a new spirit. He's wiped away the sin of your life. Your spirit has come alive. Now, what I want to challenge you to do is let somebody know in the chat room of your decision. We would love to engage with you. As we go into the week, it lies ahead. Remember to guard your heart. Keep God first place in your life. He's got a wonderful adventure for you. It, it, it's a, an amazing journey. You will never walk alone again. And so until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.